look to him, the perfecter and author of our faith. You know, Christmas time magnifies. It takes what's going on in our life and it places it under a magnifying glass and makes it bigger than life. Sometimes it seems really good. And sometimes it magnifies the bad. It makes the difficult things even more challenging. And this year, you and I have faced difficulties we never thought imaginable a year ago. We never thought of a nationwide quarantine. I don't know about you, but I had never heard of this idea of a COVID-19 a year ago. There were dreams, there were hopes, there were thoughts that this year, this Christmas would be like just last year, but better. This year we have found canceled vacations. We have found um, family meals that have been completely rerouted and changed. People have lost their jobs. People have found themselves doing well in this economy and others searching, just trying to find some food and a place to stay warm. Christmas time has this way of magnifying everything. So let me ask you this question. What is the perfect Christmas? What is the perfect Christmas? Maybe for you, it's the decorations. I remember a few years ago, we, we, we had live Christmas trees. I love live Christmas trees. Anybody else here like live Christmas trees? Come on now. Yeah, the smell. Before I got married, it was always artificial. But when I got married, Jane introduced me to this glorious thing called live Christmas trees. The smell was perfect. The journey was great. You'd go pick this thing out. Sometimes we would be wrapped up. It would be so cold. I believe that if I breathed hard, it would become a chunk of ice and fall to the ground. It, was, it has been so cold getting a Christmas tree. But one year we got a Christmas tree. It was right down here in Oakwood where the Starbucks is now. They had a Christmas tree farm out there. It was kind of getting close to Christmas. And we went and got this tree and it looked beautiful. It was probably the biggest tree we had ever had in our life. Come to find out, this wasn't your normal Christmas tree that you would get at a Christmas tree farm that you'd go cut it down at the base. This was the top of another Christmas tree, pine tree or something. This thing was, it was big and it was heavy. We get it home, we get it set up, we got it decorated. And guess what happened? Somebody's already thinking. That Christmas tree fell. Anybody here just love redecorating stuff? I mean, the Christmas tree fell, and I discovered that year that it's important when you've got a big, live Christmas tree, no matter how big the base is, you better have some string, and you better tether it to the tie backs for the curtains sometimes to keep that thing upright so you don't have to redecorate. Redecorating isn't very much fun you like to get it up you like for it to be beautiful the idealistic christmas has chestnuts roasting on an open fire anybody here ever done that anybody ever roasted chestnuts on an open fire why oh look one person two people have would 
Would you give me that experience? I've never done that. I've sung it. I love the song. I know you love the song, right? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. I mean, we love this stuff. But how often do we actually get a perfect Christmas? This Christmas is not going to be perfect. But let me remind you, last Christmas probably wasn't either. Nor was the very first Christmas. Today, I want us to find that we have hope. And that hope is not necessarily found in the plans and in our ideal view of what Christmas should look like and what it should be like at our house or in our life. Christmas magnifies, but it can also help us through the most difficult of times. How can we be encouraged when things are so different? I want you to fix your mind on someone that this Christmas is going to be experiencing a very difficult year. It may be you. It may be somebody you know in your family. It may be a co-worker or a friend. But we all know someone who's probably, their Christmas is going to be different, it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be less than perfect. Today we're going to begin in, in Luke chapter 1. I want you to get your Word of God out, your, your copy of God's Word, or you can find this on the Bible app, uh, on your phone or your tablet. If you look under events, you can actually find Chicopee Baptist Church, and the Scripture's already uh, there for you, but get your copy of God's Word out so you can look at these words today as we walk through this, because I want you to see some things today about the very first Christmas so that we can begin to relate that message to us in 2020. I want to begin reading today in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, now I'm going to uh, teach and, and explain some things today. In the sixth month, that's not the sixth month of the year. That is the sixth month of Elizabeth being pregnant. Elizabeth is Mary's aunt and Elizabeth has not had a child all of her life and she's older. And all of a sudden a miracle takes place and her and her husband is going to have a baby. And she is six months alone. That's what this six months is referring to. Now in the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. We know of these characters, Joseph, and we know of Mary. We have heard of the angel. We, we have read about David in the Old Testament. We know that Jesus is supposed to come from the lineage of David. But what I want us to notice today in this particular verse is that there were great plans that had been made. There were expectations set into place. Don't miss the fact that it says that they were engaged to be married. So the very first thing about when the perfect takes a turn, there's always that perfect dream up front, isn't there? See, they had great expectations and plans. They had already been made. Great expectations and plans had already been set forth because they were engaged. See, verse 27 tells us a little bit more about this man and woman. 
whenever you get engaged, you have these dreams and hopes. I mean, I married the perfect woman. I don't know about you. But my, oh boy, was she good looking. I could not understand how in the world somebody like me from the mountains of Delonico wound up with someone so good looking. I, was, I had a picture in my wallet. This was back before you had pictures on phones. You know, you, you it could show up. I had a picture in my wallet, and every time I could, I'd just open it up and show people. Yeah, I'm engaged to her. Mm-hmm. And we would have plans. And I'll never forget talking to Jane uh, before I proposed. You know, you you got to test the waters, right, guys? I mean, you ask some questions, and you got to find out some things. Ladies, we, we need to know so that we can do it right and do it well and not get shot down, you know, and mess everything up because we're really good at messing things up. So we're trying to get information up front. So I remember talking to Jane on the phone one night, and I was asking her, so how long, how long would it take for you to plan a wedding? How long would you really like to have? Now, me being a guy, you know, I'm thinking a couple of months, right, guys? I mean, hello, yeah, preacher, walk down front, you know, let everybody know about it, da, 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 da. You know what she told me? A year. When she said she needed a year to get ready, I almost had a conniption. I was like, a, a, a year? Because I'm thinking, what? I don't want to wait no year. You live in Charleston, South Carolina. I live in Dahlonega, Georgia. I'm driving five hours every weekend to go see you. I need to save some money on gas for one, but I really need to be with you. (laughs) But there were expectations that she had, that she had a dream of that beautiful wedding, and she had to get things ready. I believe Mary was the same way. Mary had these ideas. Joseph had these ideas. They both had these dreams and expectations of this engagement. And this engagement would last a year. That was traditional for it to take that long. And so as best we can tell, Mary is a teenager, a young teenager. She is engaged and she has wedding plans. And, and the great expectations and plans were made. You can write that down. Great expectations and plans were made. That's the, the thing that we begin with when we look at this story. They had the idea of the perfect Christmas. The perfect engagement. The perfect wedding. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise my hand. But how many of you, like me, thought of all the couples in the world, you were absolutely the only perfect couple that had ever gotten married and you'd never have any problems and everything was going to be perfect? I did. And it's not because there's anything wrong with Jane. It's because marriage often shows us we're not holy and we're not as righteous as we think sometimes. And I discovered very quickly I had some things I needed to work through. But here they are with these great hopes and dreams and expectations that they're going to get married. And and they obviously, when you look at Scripture, they were deeply in love. I want us to jump into verse 28 now. Because we know that these great expectations and plans have been made. But look in verse 28. And coming in, because this is talking about the angel. And coming in, the angel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Is that just not a good thought? To know that the Lord is with you? I mean, here she is in the the highest of moments in her life when she's about to get married. She's excited and the angel says, the Lord is with you. And that's got to make you smile. 
you got to think, yeah, that's great. One of the things that she was, she was perplexed about as you read this is that God would call her a favored one. It's great to know that God's with you, but when God puts you on that kind of a pedestal and say that you're a favored one, it should humble us. But he said to her, the Lord is with you, favored one. Verse 29, but she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who has, was called barren is now in this, her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now remember, Mary had all these great dreams and this idea of the perfect wedding, of everything gonna be, was going to be great. She, had, she, was, she was human just like you and I. And then all of a sudden, the unexpected happened and changed everything. The unexpected changed everything that she was faced with. One of the worst things in the world that can happen when you're set to get married is to have the disruption of, oh, oh we're going to have a baby. Because there are things that come along with that, come, comes along with that. And in 2020, it's a lot different than it was 20, 30, 50, 70 years ago. But it's still one of those things that we understand biblically that you are to wait until you get married. And it was no different in this case. It was ingrained in the society. And for someone to be pregnant and not be married was not good. Because... Everybody knew what you'd been up to. That was the elephant in the room. It was quite clear what had been going on. So here is Mary with all these dreams, and she's living a pure life. She's being holy. She's being righteous. And we don't know her age exactly. We don't know the location when this took place. All we know is it was in Nazareth, this little podunk town that just meant nothing. And one day, no matter whatever she was doing, whatever time of the day it was, an angel shows up. And she went from whistling while she worked, thinking and dreaming of the wedding, to hearing the news that she's going to have a baby. Then she steps back and says, how in the world can that be? I mean, that's physically impossible. You understand that, right, angel? And the angel said, well, here's how it's going to happen. It's going to be a miraculous conception. And what is so incredible, she may not have been ready for this interruption in her life. She may not have planned it. She may not have been thinking about it. But she embraced it 
to give God glory. She embraced it to be used by God to do something for Him. She did not say, oh, what are you talking about? Not me. Not right now. No. I'm engaged. This is going to be terrible. What are people going to say about me? What's my, what's my husband going to say? But yet, she embraced the disruption, the interruption, and said, God, you use this how you see fit. See, there is a real surprise factor that you can find in these verses when she begins to hear these words because it says that she was very perplexed in verse 29. And she kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And when the angel told her she was going to have a baby, she was surprised. It came out of the blue. It wasn't expected. And the perfect idea of what she was dreaming and thinking of had changed in a moment and in an instant. Mary is not the only one in this story. There's another one by the name of Joseph, and, and we can actually find a little bit about him and their encounter in Matthew chapter 1. So if you want to flip to the left, just go, go to the left and, and go to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses from there to get a more clearer understanding and picture of what all is going on because we know that great expectations and plans had been set for the perfect life. And then something came along that disrupted that completely and turned it all upside down. And now, we're going to find that the perfect takes a turn. And we're going to find a little bit about Joseph. You know, we hear a lot of songs about Mary, don't we? Mary, did you know? You never hear Joseph, did you know? You, you will read about Mary and you will... Uh, find devotions about Mary, you find very little about Joseph because we know very little about Joseph. We don't know a lot. We do not know. We can only speculate and imagine what this encounter must have been like. Read with me in verse 18 of chapter 1 of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When, he, when his mother Mary had been engaged or betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. I want you to stop and think for a moment as Joseph receives the news from Mary. She has been gone, by the way, three months she just up and disappeared. She gets this news about this baby. She's going to have a child. She goes and sees Elizabeth. We don't read where she went and, and talked to Joseph or anything. Maybe she said, Joseph, I'll be back. But she leaves, and three months later she comes back, and the news she brings to Joseph is, I'm pregnant. Now let's be real. Let's be real, men. We can relate to this. The first thought is going to be, and who's the daddy? Is it a Roman? Is it somebody I know? What you been doing those three months? The questions had to be in Joseph's mind. Let's not take Joseph and put him on a pedestal and go, Oh, Joseph was so holy and righteous. He just went, okay, Mary. We read here where he is going, I'm going to send her away quietly. 
Why is he doing it quietly? Because he loved her. He cared about her. They had plans. They had dreams. Everything was going to be perfect. And now it's been turned upside down. Who's the father? He had to wonder that. And then Mary begins to say, it's not a Roman. It's not anyone you know except it is the Holy Spirit. Okay, guys, let's just say it. Yeah, right. But at this moment, Joseph was really taken back by this. See, we have to understand that sometimes things are going to happen and come into our life we're not going to expect. There are going to be things that's going to come along that's not part of our plans. And even though we may want it to look one way and, and happen another, sometimes things come our way that disrupts everything we ever dreamed of. Joseph and Mary found themselves in that position. The very first Christmas, let me remind you, was very imperfect. It wasn't perfect. Mary and Joseph were faced with such a dilemma. What I love is what we can learn from Joseph. And we can be encouraged by him because he had to be emotional. This had to be troubling for him. But we can find what happens. He wanted to send her away secretly. That's like divorcing. Whenever you got engaged during this time, it was like being married. Except you had to wait till that marriage date a year later before you could consummate the marriage. But here they are in this moment. Joseph is troubled in verse 20. But when he had considered this, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. And look at this, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. He called his name Jesus. See, we can have plans and we can have these dreams of what Christmas should look like. And things have come along to disrupt that. We can't get together like we used to. Things are just so different and upside down and schedules are crazy. It's, you know what, every year is a lot like that. But this year especially seems to be hard. But notice how Joseph responded to the unexpected, to that which wasn't perfect. He responded in a very righteous way he could have continued with the emotions and just gotten rid of her but yet we find in verse in these verses the third thing that you can write down our faith and not emotions should drive our response there's a lot of stuff that's driven our emotions this year let's talk about the elephants the riots the election, the political ads, the pandemic, the news, the differencing of opinions, 
the global crisis, the economy, the decisions that some people have made that make no sense to you. This year has been filled with craziness and we're approaching in a few days the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus on the very first imperfect Christmas in history. This coming Christmas may not be perfect as you would dream it to be. But neither was the first one. We see Joseph responding based on faith and righteousness and not emotions. Doesn't it seem like when we get around family, that's when our emotions seem to run the most rampant? Someone will say something or do something, and it seems to just cause us to go over the edge sometimes. Our emotions seem to take control. Let me encourage you today that there's another one that's actually in control, and it's not your emotions. That's the Holy Spirit when Christ is dwelling and living within you. He is in control. Allow Him to drive the ship in the boat. Joseph, it says in Matthew, that he was a righteous man and he wanted to do right by Mary. And then when he got the news, after he was jolted with that, the angel says, Marry him. Mary, Mary. And he said, Okay. And it says that he kept her a virgin until the baby was born. He responded out of righteousness. And he didn't respond out of his emotions. You know, I would like to hope and dream that Joseph did not hold it against her. That he accepted what the angel said immediately. We can have some of these conjectures from reading scriptures, but the reality is none of us at this very moment probably fully can comprehend and understand what he went through and what Mary went through. How everything was turned upside down. She should have been shunned. They should have been divorced. But yet he responded to bring God glory. So the challenge is, how do we bring God glory when everything's turned upside down and our Christmas isn't perfect? Well, let's write this down and look at this today. Because God's greatest work, His greatest work can be done in your life. Because God's, God desires to do His greatest work using people in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances. The greatest difficulty. That is where God will work the greatest. He can work in your life when the, the medical issues are at their peak. When the family seems to be divided and you can't get together at Christmas even though you have for years. God can do His greatest work in 2020. We know 2020 has been messed up and we're looking forward to New Year so we can say it's 2021. Let's have a new beginning, right? I told a, a, a security guard yesterday at the Mall of Georgia. He said, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I said, well, uh, how about on New Year's when it counts down to zero? Let's not just say Happy New Year's. Let's say Jumanji so we can get out of this crazy game we've been in this year. This has been a crazy year. But God has not changed. His mission is still the same. And the hope is still real today. And He can use us greater now than He ever has. 
Just because you feel like your, your Christmas isn't going to be perfect, that all the things isn't going to be exactly right, does not mean that God is not there. Because the Word of God says when Jesus came, His name, Emmanuel, meant God with us. An interesting thing that took, takes place here with this story is the Holy Spirit had to come upon Mary. When you accept Jesus Christ, you don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. He lives within you. You receive Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit and God Himself because the Word of God says that we are the temple of God. So it is in that moment He is with us. So no matter where you are or what you're doing, God is with you. That's the beauty of all of this. That no matter how upside down your Christmas may be, the greatest miracles happen when the situation requires a miracle. God can do His greatest work in 2020 that He's ever done in your life up to this point. Joseph had a dream. And I'm sure that before the angel visited him in this dream, he probably said the same thing Mary may have thought. Not me. Not now. Why does it have to be like this? But his response, just like Mary, was to glorify God and to do what he wanted first and foremost. Throughout the Bible, God uses imperfect people in imperfect situations and difficulties to do his great work. And that's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do in my life this year in 2020 is to take a Christmas that we may say isn't exactly perfect and use it and do something greater than we ever thought imaginable. So how can we do that? What do we need to do? How do we get to a place where that can happen? Well, the very first thing I believe is to stay alert to, to what God wants you to hear, what He wants me to hear. We must stay alert to hear from God. Well, Pastor, I, I don't have dreams where angels visit me. I don't have an angel just show up and talk to me and tell me something. But God wants to speak to you. But he cannot speak to you in the midst of the noise and the chaos of life. He can, but he wishes for you to be still, to be quiet, and to listen for his voice. The problem is we often want God's voice to sound like we want it to sound like, like James Earl Jones, right? I mean, if, if God had a voice, it would have to be like James Earl Jones, who, who, who was the voice of Darth Vader. That is a voice that when he speaks, you go, that man has a voice of a God. It's a great voice. But maybe God's voice is more of a whisper. And you can't hear a whisper when you're in the midst of a letting all the other things in your life consume you. We have to stop and be alert to God speaking. Mary was alert and aware when the angel spoke to her and said, Mary, you're going to give birth to a child. Joseph was alert when he had the dream and the angel visited him. Joseph didn't have to get up and say, what did I eat for supper last night? What Did I have a bad burrito or something? I had the strangest of dreams. Joseph knew and understood it was a word from God. He was alert and in tune enough that when God spoke, he could hear it. And we have to be careful 
to guard against the assumptions that this year is going to be a mess. It's not going to be as good as previous years. Or that things are just not going to get a lot better. We're worried and we're scared. Can I tell you something? Jesus is still on the throne. He still has the same mission. And we got the same hope we had. And it's Jesus Christ. It doesn't change. We cannot make the assumption that God is not going to show up. That great things is not going to happen. How does God want you to use this imperfect Christmas this year? Number one, you need to stay and, and listen for His voice and hear what He has to say for you. Two, you need to guard against those assumptions and assuming that God can't use you or it's just too bad. It's too big of a mess. This cannot be a good Christmas because it can be. It can be a great Christmas. Maybe today you need to encourage someone else who you thought of that things have gone awry and crazy and, and they're really missing being together with family. Or they're dealing with difficulties with their health or with their finances. So what would God say to you? How can you be used by God? That is your seven-day challenge. Your seven-day challenge this week leading into Christmas is every day ask. Ask daily, Lord, how do you want to use me today? How do you want to use me? How do you want to, to do a great work in me that touches other people? I want you to think about this. The imperfect Christmas that we just read about that everything went awry and went crazy for Mary and Joseph turned out to be the greatest blessing this world has ever received and that was Jesus the hope of the world that baby was born when a baby is born isn't it precious I tell you what we've got a newborn right here today with us with Chad and Amanda congratulations what a beautiful little boy so precious and when you look into those eyes you can just see the innocence, the preciousness, the beauty, the miracle. And all the chaos that took place in Joseph and Mary's life. And probably more than likely they had to walk by themselves and they didn't have many people with them. They probably more than likely, when they saw that baby, they had that moment. Wow. Everything changes when a baby comes into the picture, right? This imperfect Christmas in Scripture became the greatest blessing this world has ever known. How about your Christmas? Have you been thinking it was going to be imperfect? It wasn't going to be the best? It was going to be crazy and difficult and everything's been turned upside down? Can I encourage you with this? Listen to what the Lord may have to say to you and he can use you this Christmas to make it the greatest you've ever experienced. Even in the midst of loss, God can use that to do great things. Gina, if you would come and play, we're just going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray this this morning. I want you to pray what this seven-day challenge is. Let's begin in this room. Let's begin asking Him, how do you want to use me today, Lord? Maybe today, you wouldn't even have a clue of what to do for Him. 
because you haven't turned your life over to Him. Today is the day, this gift of Christmas, this anticipation we have, isn't just simply about a baby in a manger, but it's about the hope of eternity. It's about the grace that's been given through Jesus Christ that we can hold our heads up high and move forward. Today, if you've not received Him as your Lord and Savior, if you have not asked Him to take over your life and forgive you, today's the best day to do that. You don't need to wait till tomorrow or next week. You need to do that today. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Even at home, I invite you to join with us in this time of reflection and prayer. Don't be checking your phone. Don't be thinking about who you need to text next or what you're going to have for lunch. Just focus right now on no one else except for you and God. Do you have a a relationship with Jesus Christ? If everything went south today and you died and you were standing before God and God said why should I let you in what would you say would you say I know Jesus if so praise God if not would you ask him to forgive you and take over your life right now just accept Christ Maybe you've known Christ for many, many years and you're faced with difficulties this Christmas season and everything seems to be crazy. Nothing seems to be normal. And the perfect dream of what a great Christmas would be has just vanished. In the midst of all that, ask the Lord right now, Lord, how do you want to use me today? Lord, I pray that you'll use all of us in Christmas 2020 to bring greater hope and greater blessings to those who are without hope, who are struggling and hurting. Lord, help us do great things for you as we totally and completely rely on you. Lord, if ever we need to step out of our comfort zone and out of the things that we know, it needs to be now. Help us, Father. Hear from you of what we need to do and then may we be like Joseph and Mary. May we respond and just do it. We thank you, Father, for this day. And we glorify you in everything that has been said and done. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.